0: Christmas everybody. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 1 and we're going to look at the life of uh, Joseph and Mary and of course baby Jesus and I want to talk to you today about courage. Are you a courageous person? Would you consider yourself to be a courageous person? And then really what is courage? And how do you develop courage? Why are some people more courageous than other people? I want to talk about courage today because we see this in the lives of Joseph and Mary. They were very courageous young people. You know, experts tell us today that we're more fearful and anxious than ever before. I've told you before about a book called The Coddling of the American Mind, how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure. And it's not a religious book, not a Christian book, but it's a a secular book. But it it talks about our society and all of the the bad ideas that are out there and how we're really setting up a generation for failure. They describe, for example, how so many of us are afraid. We're just afraid of life. We're afraid of almost everything. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of getting our feelings hurt. We're afraid of someone making fun of us. We're afraid of someone getting ahead of us. We we even come up with these new terms like, like FOMO, fear of missing out. It's a whole Facebook phenomenon. Like you see somebody on Facebook and you see some of your friends and they're doing something, and how come you weren't invited to what they're doing? And like how you missed out on that? And and you know, so FOMO, kind of a relatively new term. We're afraid of somebody. You know, just doing better than than we are. We're afraid of terrorism. We're afraid of traveling abroad. We're afraid of getting sick. And so what do we do? We try to make everything as safe as can possibly be. We don't try things because we might fail. We post things on Facebook to make people think our lives are happy and perfect. We don't travel abroad, certainly not. We don't go to Israel because something might happen over there. You know your chances of getting killed while driving around Clarkson in your car are greater than being killed while you're in Israel. And we, we create safe spaces. We become helicopter parents hovering over our children to make sure they're safe and secure and everything's fine. The new term is lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents, we mow down everything in front of our child so that the path is perfectly clear and easy and smooth. We don't want our kids to have any bumps in life, you know. So the mother holds her child in her arms and says, Oh, don't worry, honey, I will never let anything happen to you. Well, what if you want something to happen to you? You know, and your child is like, let me live a little, please. Let me try a little, dare a little, do a little bit. The main message of their book is stop coddling your kids. And in fact, stop coddling yourself. The way to emotional and mental health is not to coddle and live in fear. The way to a full and free life is actually to develop courage. And how do you develop courage? Well, you do it by leaning into the problems of life, by facing the realities, by taking a few hits and a few bumps. That's how you develop your courage. See, you got to come to grips with the fact that, that you cannot live in a world without danger. You cannot eliminate all risk from your life. You just can't. There will be sickness, accidents, terrorism, war, loss, epidemics, and there's no way you can hide from all of that. Now, of course, we should take appropriate measures you know, to be safe, but what you really need and what I really need is courage. Courage to face the uncertainties of life. Courage to take the risks, to do the right things. Courage to live with faith and hope and love instead of fear. Joseph and Mary were very courageous. Let's look at their stories. Have you ever thought about the courage? of of Joseph and Mary, they really show us that you, in fact, you can't even be a Christian without courage. Because it really takes courage to step out in faith and say, God, I trust you with my life and I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. That takes a lot of courage to do that. You can't even be a Christian without having courage. Let's jump into the story. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. Here's the story of Christmas. This is how the birth of Jesus and the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph and Mary are engaged. And engagements at that time were quite a bit different than engagements in in our time and what we normally think of as engagement. There were normally three stages to getting married. As a young teenager, the parents would arrange for their kids to get married. They had arranged marriages. One family, set of parents, they would talk to another family that they liked and respected and they would work out, hey, our daughter uh, will marry your son. Yes, our son will marry your daughter. So they had this arranged. Parents, don't you think that's a great idea where you get to pick the spouse? I mean, that's how they used to do it. They would have these arranged marriages. And so you might only be 12, 13, 14 years old, and you would already be pledged to be married. In a sense, you were betrothed, engaged, kind of, sort of, heading that way. And then the second stage was a more official betrothal ceremony where gifts were exchanged and legal papers were signed And especially by this time, betrothal was so legally binding that if one of them died at this point in the process, the other was considered to be a widow or a widower. It was that serious, that legal. And then the third stage of betrothal was actual marriage, which normally took place about a year after the gifts were given. So here are Joseph and Mary, they're betrothed. They're they're engaged, but they're not yet married. They're not living together. They're not having sexual relations because sexual relations during this betrothal engagement time was absolutely forbidden on pain of death, on being stoned to death. That's what the Old Testament law said, although by this time in history, it was very unusual for that to happen, but there would be a lot of embarrassment and exclusion and, and isolation. So plans are being made. For Joseph and Mary, their families know about it. They're, they, they, they're pledged to be married. And most of the little town of the people in Nazareth, a little town at the time, they, they a few hundred people maybe, they, most of them knew about it and they're all excited. And one day, can you believe it, Mary shows up pregnant. And Joe knows he's not the father. How would you feel if you were Joseph? Angry? crushed, disappointed, embarrassed, Joseph decides to divorce her quietly. He didn't want her to be stoned. He could have drug her out into the streets and accused her and embarrassed her and all of that sort of thing. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to divorce her as quietly as possible. Now, it really wasn't possible to keep it totally quietly. Everybody's going to see she's pregnant and has a kid and, and what's going on and how come Joseph isn't with her and all that. But he was trying to do his best. to to keep the situation somewhat sane. And then Joseph has a dream. He, He wakes up from this dream, from his sleep, and he's convinced now that this is a God thing and that God is calling on him to step up and take on this responsibility. Can you imagine Joseph's courage? He knew that most of the people would assume it was his child and that they had acted inappropriately. And he might be excluded. He could, in theory, at least maybe get even stoned to death. So he's putting his own reputation and his own life on the line. It must have been unbelievably tempting to divorce Mary and distance yourself from the whole thing and say, Not my kid. Not my baby. No, it wasn't me. No way. I'm out of here. That would have been very tempting. And think of Mary's courage. The angel appears to Mary and informs her that God has chosen her to be miraculously pregnant and give birth to the Messiah. And she says, but how? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And and then Mary responds, may your word to me be fulfilled. Are you kidding me? I mean, how could she say that? Mary had to know in that instant that she was going to face all kinds of misunderstanding and accusation and abuse and ridicule and maybe even death. Maybe her own family was going to kick her out. She doesn't know. And Joseph and Mary, they talk through these things and they decide to follow God no matter what. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know how people are going to respond. But they're going to walk boldly into their future, courageously following their Lord. How did they do it? How did they act with such courage? Why didn't Mary just say, oh, no, thank you, Mr. Angel. <laughs> no, no, no. Be, pick someone else, please. This is a pretty wild big thing here. I'm not up to that. And how could Joseph lean, lean into that and say, I had this dream and I'm convinced now I'm sure he had to second guess himself. Maybe I just had some bad fish last night. I mean, how do you really know these things? I want to talk to you about three reasons why Joseph and Mary were so courageous. And these are actually three actions that you and I can take today to develop more courage in our lives. Okay? I think at this Christmas time even, and in our lives, I don't know what you're facing but we live in such a society and there's so many kinds of challenges and, and just life can be so hard and we're all trying to be so safe and so cute, secure and, and, and it's so easy to become so overwhelmed and fearful. I, I want to encourage you that by God's grace, you, you and I can develop more courage. Are, are you courageous? Are you really? For example, just very simply, do you have the courage to apologize when you need to? Think about it, that takes courage to say, yes, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Do you have the courage to admit your weaknesses? Do you have the courage to do what's right, even though you know there might be some fallout from it? Or do you find yourself lying, and maybe even lying a lot, just kind of telling people what they want to hear, and you just lie a lot? And you say, well, you know, they're little white lies, I'm just doing it to keep the peace, and... And you don't have the courage to speak up and say what you really think or what's really right or what's really necessary in a healthy relationship. But then you go around holding grudges because you didn't have the courage to speak up. You spend almost all your time trying to make life easier, safer, and more secure. Three actions I encourage you this morning how to be courageous. First of all, clarify your convictions. If you want to develop courage, you've got to start by clarifying your convictions. What do you really believe about life? Joseph and Mary were convinced that God was up to something great and they wanted to be in on it. And that gave them the courage that they needed. How about you? Do you believe there is a God? and that he's up to something great, and that he can be involved in your life. You need to just clarify that and get honest with that, because if life is just a, a random accident, and, and we're all here by chance, and there is no God, and, and, and he's, there's no source of power for you know available to you, then where are you going to develop that kind of courage, that kind of conviction? So clarify your convictions. There's, a, there's an old legend from India about a mouse... And this mouse was terrified of cats until a magician agreed to transform him into a cat and that resolved his fear until he met a dog so the magician changed him into a dog and then the mouse turned cat turned dog was content until he met a tiger and then he, he then the tiger met a hunter And she goes back to the magician and says, oh, change me now into a hunter. And the magician refused to help. He said, I will make you into a mouse again. For though you have the body of a tiger, you still have the heart of a mouse. You see, God, you you and I, our tendency is to, we want to solve all those problems out there and make them smaller. And God says, I want to grow your heart. I want to give you courage to face all the problems out there, whatever they might be. I think of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8. He talks about all the trouble and hardship that we might face in life. He says, you know, what shall we say? Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or nakedness or danger or peril or sword? And he says in Romans eight thirty seven, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. You see, Paul had some convictions. He says, I am convinced. What are you convinced of? If you're going to have courage in life, you've got to be convinced of something. things. Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you have that kind of conviction? Clarify your convictions. That's where courage comes from. And then the second action I encourage you to is receive His Spirit. You clarify your convictions, and then you receive His Spirit. The angel told Mary that she would become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Joseph had a very spiritual dream. It was a a dream from God. And they both knew that they knew. You see, the Holy Spirit is His own verification. When the Holy Spirit works in your life and speaks to you about the truth of something, you know it. You know that you know that you know. You say, well, how do you know that? You know. Because the Holy Spirit is his own verification, his own validation. See, you can... You know, Well, how do you know? How do you know? Well, I know because of this. Well, How do you know that? Well, I know because of this. Well, how do you know this? I, you, know, you can try to know yourself to death. And the Holy Spirit comes and he does something in your life and you have some conviction. And you go, I know. I just know it. The Holy Spirit is his own verification. Paul says in Second Timothy, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Are you timid? Are you scared? You need to ask God for His Holy Spirit. He will give you power, love, and self-discipline. Have you ever thought about the apostles? Think of Peter, James, and John and the other apostles and the amazing change in their lives, in their behavior because of the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit. Before the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the apostles were basically weak men. Remember, they were so weak. They, they, they were running away from things. Peter denied Jesus three times. They, they ran away during the, the, the crucifixion and in, in the garden of Gethsemane. They, they, they ran until the Spirit came. When the Spirit came upon them, those weak-kneed wimps who ran when the going got tough, they became courageous. You remember, I don't know the man, Peter? You know, he, three times he said, I don't know the man. I, I, Jesus, who are you talking about? I don't know the man. He denied him three times. But a few weeks later, Peter, in, in the book of Acts, after receiving the Holy Spirit, says, He took his stand with the eleven, raised his voice, and declared, This man Jesus, whom you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death, let me tell you, God raised him up again. Now, he's talking to the same people right there in Jerusalem. Jesus, the same people who had killed Jesus, crucified Jesus a few weeks earlier. So same historical setting and place and context. And, and here is Peter. He had denied Jesus. They had run. And now they're standing up in front of the crowd, in front of the authorities, and saying, let me tell you about Jesus. What gave him that kind of courage? See, they, 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 could, have, they could have killed him right there. You see, you know what changed him? Peter and the apostles, they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. They were convinced. They had convictions that Jesus was true. And they had received the Spirit of Christ. And the presence of Christ in them gave them a new boldness and a new confidence. And by the way, this is almost proof positive that the resurrection actually happened. Because do you think Peter and James and John and all these guys would have put themselves in jeopardy like that? For a lie. Don't you think after the authorities started throwing them in jail and beating them and killing some of them? You know, James lost his life. Peter ended up in jail under a death sentence. Don't you think if, if they were lying about the resurrection, don't you think they would have said, Oh, oh, sorry, just kidding. We, we made it up, we lied, sorry, we won't talk about Jesus anymore. But they didn't. They were so convinced. And now they were so filled with the Spirit of Christ, and they had such courage that they were willing to proclaim that, even if it meant losing their lives. Have you received the Holy Spirit? In January, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. Now, the third way that I want to encourage you, the third action is to claim His promises. You need to claim His promises. So you clarify your beliefs. Clarify your convictions. You receive the Spirit. And then you claim His promises. Mary and Joseph knew the Old Testament promises. And they knew that God was up to something. You see, if you want to walk in courage instead of in fear, you need to claim His promises. For example, Jesus said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. That, that, the Greek word there for take heart could be take courage or be courageous. I have overcome the world. So you claim Jesus' promise. You might have all kinds of trouble going on in your life right now. But you can have peace, Jesus says. In this world you will have trouble. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? In this world you're going to have a lot of trouble. See how realistic Jesus is? But he says, you can have peace in me. And you can take heart. You can be courageous because I've overcome the world. See, you can have this kind of victory in Christ. You've got to claim his promises and clarify your convictions. You say, but pastor, pastor, you don't understand. I I have sinned so much. I have messed up so much. Oh, you mean like the prodigal son? You mean like, like the young man who took part of his father's inheritance and went away and blew it all in wild living, and then came back and asked for forgiveness, and the Father gladly received him back? Do you mean like that? See, you, maybe you need to claim Romans eight one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you turn from your sin and you look to Christ and receive him into your life, there is no condemnation. There is absolutely no reason why you should leave here today feeling judged and condemned. Because you can be in Christ. You can be forgiven. But pastor, you don't understand. My life seems to be crumbling apart. Everything is shaking and falling apart. Then claim Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. You don't have to fear. Even when there's an earthquake. Have you ever been in an earthquake? I've never been in one. But it has to be frightening when the very ground underneath your feet is shaking and you don't know what's going to happen. And nothing seems safe or secure. Maybe that's your life right now. The ground underneath you is just shaking. What you need to do is claim His promise. He is your refuge. He is your strength. Do you realize that our words encourage and discourage are built around the word courage? So when you encourage someone, you are pressing courage into them. And when you discourage someone, you are sucking courage out of them. And the scripture is full of, of encouragements, encouraging you and I to encourage each other. You and I are to press Courage into one another. One of the main functions of a church, of a congregation, is where we come together and we do our lives together and we get to know each other and we press courage into one another. Who do you need to encourage today? Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, help us to clarify our convictions. Lord, we we are convinced that you are true, you are real, you are there. And Lord, we cry out for your Holy Spirit. We receive your Holy Spirit afresh, Lord, so that we can live joyful and triumphant. Lord, we ask you to, to come. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Grow our hearts Help us to be faithful to you. Come, Lord Jesus. Give us your courage. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.